0: First on the list is GNU Scientific Library, or GSL. I don't know a whole lot about this, just like GMP and GMM. Not really a maths person, but this seems really useful. There's quasi-random sequences. There's random distributions, statistics, histograms, differential equations, uh, interpolation, sorting, permutations, vectors and matrices. Again, uh, you 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 name it. There's a bunch of different things here. So uh, it's it's a library for for maths. If you have things that you need to do that are more complex than plussing and minusing and multiplying and dividing, this is one of the libraries you could use. Of course, I've already talked about in previous episodes GMM and GMP, so those are other options. But I, I imagine that you would know what you were looking for were you uh, to find yourself in an instance where you need advanced mathematical processes. Okay, so that was all I have to say about GSL. What I do have something to say about, certainly this is more in my, within my realm of of interest and expertise, is uh, GStreamer. GStreamer is, uh, and a a bunch of GST plugin packages. So GStreamer, you've probably heard of it if you've been using linux for for a year or more gstreamer comes up now and again because it is one of the packages that handles media playback so you may have seen gstreamer pop up uh, just as gstreamer but you may have also seen or heard of uh maybe you've gotten an error on some other distribution that that gst plugins aren't installed and there's the the famous there's famously 3 Plugin packages that are kind of the the ones you you hear about a lot, and those are the good, the bad, and the ugly. GST plugins good. GST ba- uh, GST plugins bad. GST plugins ugly. I don't actually see that GST plugins ugly is here, so maybe that's maybe that's not a thing anymore, or maybe it uh, just isn't shipping with Slackware. I don't know. Didn't look that part up, but GST plugins are. Uh, as the name implies, plugins for a modular system for GStreamer. So let's just talk about GStreamer first and then we'll kind of briefly mention why um, there need to be plugins. So GStreamer is a multimedia library and its job is to get media streams from a source of a stream being generated to what is called a sink, S-I-N-K, like a kitchen sink, the sink which consumes that data stream. I find this terminology confusing, slash baffling, slash obscure. I I don't understand what it, why those are the terms. I don't understand why a sink is a consumer of data, but uh, I'm sure there is a logic to it. I'm sure someone had an idea. But the... The important thing to, to sort of understand here is that GStreamer is taking data, you know, a stream of, of media, from a thing that is producing that stream, and it is sending it to something that consumes or uses, utilizes that stream. Which is different than saying it's taking a data stream from, say, a file, and playing it on your speakers or playing it on your screen, because that's strictly speaking not what it's doing. GStreamer is taking the stream data and sp- and piping it to an application that wants to use that data for something. That something could be playback, it could be recording, it could be editing, could be any number of things I guess, but mostly those three things that come to mind. Now between those two destination... Th- those two places, the source and the sink. There can also be filters applied. In other words, on its way from a source to a sink, a stream could be modified. You could send it through a filter that removes all chroma values from the picture. And you just get black and white. Or you could send it through a filter that... Um, maximizes the volume, uh, or raises the volume, applies a gain to the volume. So now you've got something louder, or something that takes the volume and then repeats, you know, takes a sample of, of the stream and then repeats that stream uh, 0.25 seconds after the stream, a- a- again after that has passed. So you've got like an echo effect, and so on. You get the idea, a filter. So, that's what GStreamer does source to sync with a filter in between. Now the interesting thing about media files is that they have, or they can have, multiple streams in in a file. Now again, GStreamer isn't necessarily taking a media stream from a file. Quite possibly, it's taking a media stream from a webcam, a microphone, whatever. Something generating a stream, GStreamer can can handle. But assuming, for simplicity's sake, we're taking it from a file. Files can have multiple streams all in one file, all in one bucket. It would be like someone handing you a sheet of paper, and you look at it, and it's nothing but letters and numbers, and it's just a big jumble of 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 data. But then they hand you uh, a pair of red-tinted glasses, and you put those on, and it filters out a bunch of the letters, and you can now read the the text. You may have seen that as a kid, you know, like when you have secret code cracking things, you have a bunch of nonsense, but then you put the special filters over your eyes and suddenly the or you, you put the filter over the letters and then suddenly the everything in red is filtered out because you're wearing red glasses and so now you can read the other part. And then you take those red glasses off, you put blue glasses on, and now different letters have vanished and you can read a completely different set of text. That's kind of what's going on in, in media files, or it can go on in media files. The media file can have data that if decoded by something that knows what to look for, so something with the red glasses on, would play sound. And then there could be other data that for something with the blue glasses on, it would play video. Or you could have two sound streams, one for English and one for um, Italian, and then the video, and you could have yet another stream for subtitles, and so on. So you can cram all that data into the same file. It's just data, right? Like, all you have to do is is send it to something that knows what to do with the data, and suddenly it all makes sense. So for that, GStreamer can construct pipelines. When it encounters separate streams in a file, or it's being fed separate streams from different devices, it can formulate the data stream from one place to to, to, to... to, to one thing and from another source to another sync or from one source to two syncs depending on the file depending on the stream type and so on so that way you have sound playing through speakers and video playing on screen because your application of course knows what to do with those pipelines there there is more the that, that, that's that there's more terminology within GStreamer, but those are the the absolute basics no actually there's one more there's a bus. The bus is... In this one, I, I love the, the, the bus term. It's not specific to GStreamer. It's something in audio a lot as well. Uh, and computing, I guess. But really, I, I don't see it as much in computing. But in, in audio and, and in GStreamer, it comes up a lot. So bus is... I guess electronics as well. Anyway, a bus is a thing, just like in real life, a bus takes you from one street to another street a bus is is basically that in gstreamer it it carries messages that gstreamer needs to sort of convey to different parts of gstreamer those that, that data is is carried over the the bus uh, data type And that's sort of all we need to know for the real basics. So there's this, there's a great tutorial about GStreamer on the, I don't know what site this is, GStreamer probably? gstreamer.freedesktop.org. So it's a great tutorial. I highly recommend the whole series. It's really, really good. I mean, honestly, I feel like it's, I think it's a good tutorial, even if you don't intend to, it kind of assumes that you're going to be programming in C, which I don't even think, I I think this is a good tutorial, whether you're going to be, programming in C or even whether or not you're going to be programming in G streamer like, like I think I feel like just running through this really helps you kind of internalize how all this digital media stuff might work and and it may not be you know, exactly like this for everything, you know, for, for all libraries, multimedia libraries. So some of it maybe wouldn't be useful, strictly speaking, if you were going to go program with, I don't know, some VLC libraries or something. But still, I think there's there's a lot, there's there's enough, you know, it, it's still dealing with multimedia. Some of the terminology, some of the functions, that might be different. Um, but But it still gives you a good idea of sort of the theory behind it all. So it is only like I don't know, uh, thirty lines, let's say, and it's I think it's worth it. So we're gonna step through it real quick. So the first line is include well hash include less than bracket gst slash gst dot h greater than bracket. So this just includes the 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 key file that is required to use the GST libraries, which is the the big GST header file, and that is located in user include slash gstream dash one dot zero slash GST slash GST dot H, obviously. And, and if you look at that, if you look at that file, it is just a bunch of includes, um, of other GST header files. So there's GST, uh binary gst buffer gst um, caps gst clock gst control source and so i mean like it's got to be like 50 lines of of includes and that's all gst or basically all gst header is so it's it's you're, you're bringing in a bunch of things you're you're bringing in most of gst when you include that line. And then we do our first function, which is int tutorial underscore main uh, parentheses int argc comma car asterisk argv square bracket square bracket parentheses. Now, this is uh, the argc, the argv. That, that's that's the count of the arguments and, and what those arguments are. And ar- by arguments, I mean the things that people ha- may have passed to the command that, that they'll use to launch this application, the, the options they may have passed to that. Now this little demo application that was on the website it doesn't have any arguments, but we're still including the int argc and int argv because by doing so you you allow your, your application to also benefit from any gstreamer options that the user might pass to the command. So that's why those are there even though it doesn't seem like they would be necessary. Uh they aren't strictly but but if you put them there then you can get GStreamer options for free. All right, curly brace. GST so we're opening the function now. GST element um, asterisk pipeline semicolon GST bus asterisk bus semicolon GST message asterisk message semicolon. He, the, this is building the, this is specifying the components of our of of G- Of GStreamer. We've got a pipeline, we got a bus, and we got a message. Uh, We got the GST message um, subsystem that we can utilize for like error messages and so on. All right, next is the probably the 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 most important line of the of the application is what the website calls it It says this is the reason the tutorial exists practically it's GST underscore init parentheses Ampersand argc, comma, ampersand argv, close parentheses, close semi or uh, semicolon. So GST init is the thing that 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 auto magically sort of creates the the pipeline, like the map from the source to the sync, gst-init is the thing that builds that for you. Which is kind of a big deal, because otherwise you would have to figure that out. And one of the, the real benefits of GStreamer is that you don't have to figure that out. Your user can set their application to... Get to, to play sound on their speaker, and when they start GStreamer playing the video through their application, everything just works. It, it, it gets, the stream is directed and, and conveyed correctly to the application. The application sends it to their speaker. Everything's fine. So that's GST underscore init. It's a big function, and we didn't have to do any thinking about it whatsoever. So we're eight lines into this application so far, or this code so far. Pipeline equals GST underscore parse underscore launch, parentheses, quote playbin p-l-a-y-b-i-n that's like play binary uri equals and in this case they just use a uh a cintel trailer so uh from the blender group https colon slash, slash gstreamer dot dot org slash data slash media slash cintel underscore trailer dash 480p dot webm close quote comma null close parentheses, close semicolon so again for free you don't have to worry about the networking you don't have to do anything you all you're saying is play this binary stream from this location and you're you're handing it a networked location an ssl network location and it believe it or not it just works so this is a big deal all right so line Uh, Depending on how we break things down, uh, this would be line 10, GST underscore element underscore set underscore state parentheses pipeline comma GST underscore state underscore playing close parentheses close semicolon. So you can kind of probably figure that that's it's going to autoplay, right? Because we're we're setting the state of the GST element to playing. So when we've gotten our pipeline up, then uh, next is bus equals GST underscore element underscore Git underscore bus parentheses pipeline close parentheses semicolon message equals GST underscore bus underscore timed underscore pop underscore filtered parentheses bus comma GST underscore clock underscore time underscore none comma GST underscore message underscore error pipe GST underscore message underscore eos that's end of stream parentheses uh, semicolon so we're waiting for either something to error out or something to to end the stream there are better ways to do error messages and under the circumstances i'd almost be inclined to just skip over it but they do have one and i'll just read it really quick it's if uh, parentheses gst underscore message underscore type parentheses, message, equals, equals, gst, underscore, message, error, then, or rather, curly brace, g, underscore, error, that's a glib, uh, function, uh, parentheses, quote, an error occurred, rerun with, or is g, underscore, yeah, g, underscore, underscore, is glib, uh, an error occurred, rerun with gst, debug, blah, 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 close, parentheses, semicolon, close, bracket, so, there's an error message, there are better ways to, to handle that, Obviously rather than just sending an error to the to the the user, but for this demo That's the easiest way to 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 have an error response. Okay, so we've only got about mm, Ten more lines to go maybe and they're short ones. So now uh, We are we're assuming at this point that the stream is is over So when we're done with everything we can do GST underscore message underscore unref parentheses MSG close parentheses semicolon freeing that up GST underscore object underscore unref parentheses bus close parentheses semicolon gst underscore element underscore set underscore state parentheses pipeline comma gst underscore state underscore null close parentheses semicolon so we are we are saying that the stream is is set the state is null now gst underscore object underscore unref pipeline semicolon return zero semicolon close curly brace and that's it that's the function that's the The main function of this application and then really the only thing left to do are the three final lines which is just int space main space again int argc car argv open the function with a curly brace return tutorial underscore main that's of course the function that we just closed right that's the that's the the function uh argc comma argv and then close int main and that's it it's about 27 lines of code now if i go back to the folder where this lives you can try to compile this don't don't try this because it won't work you can tr- you can try to compile it as, as one might normally try to compile something, gcc, basic, tutorial.c, um, and then hit return, and it, it'll fail, it won't find gst, gst, So you might think, well, I'll just include gst.h then. I'll specify where that is. So you do dash capital I slash USR slash include slash gstreamer dash one dot zero slash gst. Well, that wouldn't work either because then gst.h can't find gst slash GST config or, or glibconfig, or something like that, or compat.h. In short, you'll spend an hour trying to compile this thing, and it won't compile, and then you'll realize that you haven't followed instructions. So, it does say compile, but it says compile as described in installing on Linux. If you go read installing on Linux, at the bottom of that, of, of how to install GStreamer, there's a note about issuing this specific command package config, and if you don't do that, then you have to do it in your compile command, and, and I, for whatever reason, yeah, uh, by default, it does not, it will not compile correctly, but if you, if you reference that package config command in your compiling, uh, c- command, then, then you're fine. I, I don't understand why that's necessary, because like I say, I, I, tried the package config command, and I thought that it worked, or, or rather, I thought that it was reporting things that made sense, but apparently not. So the, the, the thing that you need to do is gcc space basic tutorial dot c, or whatever you called it, I just called mine basic dot c, dash o, and I'll just call it, um, my player dot or no, just my player is what I'll call it. Uh, and then dollar sign parentheses pkg-config dash dash C dash dash libs gstreamer dash one close parentheses. Do that, and it compiles really, really fast. I mean, it's a really, really simple application. Uh, what twenty-seven lines or something I said, uh, and it doesn't have anything. I mean, it's it's yeah, it, it's you'll you'll see. So then, if I do my player, then Cintel starts playing straight off of the internet. It's really crazy you're just streaming right off the internet just instantly right there i mean granted your your um your your the, the player that you've just written is is a really complex way to watch a trailer <laughs> but it works and it works exactly as expected and it's playing over the correct speakers and it's playing on your screen and it's just it's it's amazing so that is the gstreamer tutorial from free desktop and that's just the hello world. So there's a lot more to GStreamer tutorials, well worth doing. GST plugins, of which there are several, there's bad, there's base, there's good, there's libav. I think that's all the ones included in Slackware. Yeah, it is. Uh, those uh, add other codecs so that GStreamer can play whatever file types it needs. You need it to play, and that's um, you know for us users, that's the real power. Because I don't know about you, but I mean, I end up with all kinds of random media files, and and it's really annoying when you click on it, whether or not you recognize the extension. You click on it, you think this is definitely a media file. And your computer can't play it. That's annoying. GStreamer can help with that. The the plugins for GStreamer add all kinds of functionality to GStreamer, uh, or or I guess functionality, or just sort of the ability to recognize media that otherwise it would not uh, potentially recognize. The the plugin sets um, are 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 sort of this weird like the good, the bad, the ugly thing. Um, the the reason for that is like the base is the uh, they're well ground well groomed and well maintained collection of GStreamer plugins and elements spanning the range of possible types of elements one would want to write for GStreamer. That doesn't that, that's a weird sentence. It also contains helper libraries and base classes useful for, for writing other for for new elements. So you've got your video and audio decoders, you've got encoders, and several filters apparently. So if you do want to turn something black and white or something, then you can do that. Which 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 is nice. I mean, flexibility is great. The the good package has uh, plugins that have uh, that have been judged to be of good quality, correct functionality, a good license. So they're like LGPL for the plugin code, lpgl or lpgl compatible for supporting library. That's the good package. And then there's the bad, in this case, bad dash free. So these are uh, GStreamer bad plugins is a set of plugins that aren't tested well enough or the code is not of good enough quality enough. Uh, they might be close to being good quality, but they're missing something. Whether it's a... just a code review, or documentation, or whatever, they get relegated to the bad package because they're not... they're not considered up to the standards of GStreamer. And, um... They also, so the free, dash free, means that they do have licenses that are okay to ship. Like, everyone can ship these things, they're, they're not encumbered by any kind of weird question of patented, you know, liability and stuff like that. And then ugly, I don't remember what that one is, and like I say, it's not included here in, in Slackware. There's also libAV, which contains one plugin with a set of elements using the ffmpeg or libAV library code. It contains many popular decoders and encoders. So that's kind of interesting. It's just like literally one, one set of... Uh, it's a plugin for for one thing um but i imagine that one thing gives it a heck of a lot ffmpeg is a really really powerful uh library or, or rather libav i guess is or a codec whatever it is um i, I get the terminology confused cuz cuz there was the ffmpeg libav split for a while and then what is it just is it just av codec yeah that must be what i'm thinking of either way it's a really powerful set of of libraries so i guess I guess probably that one's a really important one to have and they're all important to have because when you click on some media you want it to play and that's what gstreamer is really really good at but it's it's also a great development tool um you know like you want to ingest video and do something to it gstreamer's one way you'll be able to do that it's really really important Uh, it's it's a little bit weird because gstreamer is you know it's it's just a c library so if you're not writing a C application, you do possibly need some kind of interface into GStreamer, or, or or you'll have to write a C library yourself and like and make it, you know, like make an API for your 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 other language of choice. So that that can be a little bit cumbersome if you know if you're not using C. There there are good front ends for it, certainly for Python, uh, and I think for Java maybe uh could be i could be misremembering that um but they're there it's gstreamer it's great and as you could see from the tutorial it's It's, it's doing a lot. It's doing a lot of work. Like the fact that you can just grab something off the internet and play it in basically 20 lines of code. It was 27, but I mean, there are a lot, there's a bunch of white space in there. So basically 20 lines of code, you're, you're, you're going out to the internet, you're grabbing a, you're streaming data from the internet onto your screen in 20 lines of code. That's Pretty cool. So check out GStreamer if you're looking to do um fun multimedia stuff. Let's talk about GTK Plus for a moment. GTK Plus is the graphical user interface toolkit version 1.x. GTK Plus stands for the GIMP Toolkit, no less. GTK. Literally created for an application and sort of gave rise to a desktop and a whole suite of applications for that desktop. It's kind of an amazing story, um, which I, I don't have off the top of my head, but but it is it is cool. Look into it sometime. Um, it's a library for creating a graphical user interface for X window system. Uh, this library has mostly been replaced, at least by version two, but there are still some good programs that require it. So that's why GTK Plus is here. If you ever launch, um, I don't know what GTK Plus would be used in, probably something like some kind of CVS application or something, or maybe like a media player, like an old media player. Uh, If you ever launch one of those, you'll you'll probably possibly see a GTK, uh, original GTK. Uh, application. It looks, you know, pretty, pretty funky, pretty, pretty old, pretty 90s-ish, but, um, but good. You know, it works. It it does, it does the job. And that's GTK Plus, and then there's GTK Plus 2, GTK Plus 3, and GTK4. I guess they dropped the plus. GTK4. That's, of course, the, the hyper-modern one. That's the one... Actually, is it hyper-modern, or are they working on... Surely they're probably working on GTK5 by now. But yeah, GTK4 is the latest and greatest. It's the one that GNOME is using right now, today. So that's going to look, you know, really modern and, and, and flashy and... Well, subdued really for <laughs> GNOME tends to be relatively subdued, I find, uh, and that's it. GTK4. So GTK, I mean, that's that's the cute of the GNOME world. I mean, it 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 provides things like well, the, a window when you open an application. The reason you have an interface, a an application that you can see and click on, is because of GTK. GTK provides things like widgets, like buttons and menus and drop down menus and um, Combo boxes, like, you know, things that you can enter numbers, you can scroll through numbers on, uh, sliders, radio buttons, all those little things, all the all those sort of the little interface con, con conventions that we're used to, something has to provide that. And if something doesn't, then a programmer somewhere has to program it themselves, which is not impossible, but it is burdensome. And in terms of maintenance, it can be difficult because, sure, you might think, oh, just program all this stuff myself it'll be fun and it might might be fun you might learn a heck of a lot but five years from now are you gonna really want to keep that code updated all by yourself probably not so you use a framework that a lot of other people are working on then you have all of these assets that you can use and and they get updated so you can you can add features to your application as features get added to the framework and so on so GTK GTK 4, of course, uh, is 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 you know really sort of modern in feel, modern looking. It it they tend to put buttons in weird places, and, and doesn't really make sense to me until you think, well, okay, that button actually on a mobile interface makes a lot of sense up there, and I. I i think there's we're still in the middle of a push and pull there where sometimes you think yeah this is good we're we're moving slowly towards convergence we're moving the buttons up to the upper you know whatever right hand corner left hand corner whatever um but then you think uh it's really dumb because i'm i'm looking at this the application window and uh i i look from top to bottom left to right uh and so when i'm finished my, tr- my, my journey through this window, the natural place my eye ends up at is the bottom right corner. So, sometimes, depending on the context it seems, in especially in GTK, a button might be in the bottom right because that's kind of where you're ending up, or it might be in the upper left because that's where one might imagine it would be on a mobile interface. I don't know that we found a comfortable sort of convention there, uh, and, and like I said, it, it seems to happen more in the GTK world for some reason. I don't know if that's part of the human interface guidelines that they do or what, but it it is kind of interesting, and strange, and different. But also, I mean, it, it kind of feels right in a weird way. I mean, yeah, the interfaces are different. They're they're notably different. Uh, the way that we use the, the, the screens of different sizes is, I think, a lot more different than you would possibly think it would be. And, yeah, I think we're still discovering that as a as sort of a species of computer users. Um, just the fact that in an application, quite possibly just the act of moving your cursor all the way from the bottom right corner where you've been using the little slider elevator to scroll through a document, all the way up to the upper left where there's a button to continue, or even to the upper right. That, that takes a lot of time and effort, and it feels like such a chore to get all the way from here to there. So why put the button there? Why not put it back down there where it belongs? Um, I, I, And and then why is it that different, like from a, 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 a desktop screen or a laptop screen and a little phone screen. Well, it's different because the phone screen is like something that you're just thumbing through. You're just controlling literally with your thumb or your, your forefinger, and the screen is a completely different interface. But there are touch screens now, so maybe that's a little bit something different. Lots of factors, and I think GNOME is kind of on the cutting edge of trying to bridge that gap, at least on Linux, and now I'm not sure that that's um, a, a comfortable... I, I don't know if that's a super comfortable place to be. I think that that can be that can be a difficult place to be, but they're doing it, they're doing it bravely, and I admire them uh, for what they do. GTK mm2 uh, and GTK mm3. Well, we've already learned that mm is a shorthand in this world for C, and sure enough, GTK mm is the official C interface for the popular. GUI library gtk plus plus and of course there's the gtk mm3 as well uh, for different versions so if you're programming in C+ then you have then you have uh, the 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 yeah an interface in a GDk so I think I think there's probably a question of why you would choose C+ when you've got all the Glib libraries behind C And, I mean, there are lots of reasons, you know, there are lots of features within C++ that might make you choose C++ over C, but I'm wondering if the reason there is such an emphasis on C for GNOME, I mean, aside from legacy, uh, is just because of of all the Glib features that they have and the G Object stuff. I mean they've they've really developed C into a, a different feeling language than, you know, just pure C. And I don't know. I I don't know. I mean I, I'm not I've never really given GTK much of a thought, to be honest. This is the most I've thought about it just going through these library files. So yeah, I'm not sure... I wonder how many people are using C++ with the GNOME, uh, you know, um, libraries. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, next up is GTK Source View. This is a framework for source code editing. Uh, it's a portable C library that extends the standard GTK Plus framework for multi-line text editing. So this is a little bit like... Uh, what, what is it? K... K part... Uh, K... what is it? K text edit? K text editor whatever that one component of the KDE framework was that provides the interface for um for Kate and for Kwrite and for Kdevelop you know that there's that widget right that just does it just does it all and and once you know that it exists you start seeing it in a bunch of different KDE applications and you're just like oh I I know that interface. That's the Kate interface. Um, I think it might even be called the Kate part. I-I could be- but didn't they, like, break that out? I think they broke that out. Either way, that's what this is, except it's in the GNOME world. It's the GTK source view, uh, library. So you could use that. You could- you could- you could crank out a text editor relatively quickly with GTK source view. You-, you and the advantage there is just like with Kate, uh, the- the Kate library thing, um, you don't have to worry about things like um undoing like how, how do you do the undo? well, it's already built in it's in gdk source view how do you do copy and paste or how do I blank the window when I open a new document. All of that stuff is just, it's just options in GTK source view. GTK spell, I'm trying to get through the G's here. GTK, and we're very, very close. GTK spell is a, um, it's a highlighting library for misspelled words within GTK text view widget. So you right click on it, it pops up a menu of suggested replacements, and you've got built-in um, spell check which is huge people won't use it but it's huge i mean that's such a such a luxury on a computer my goodness that's so nice um, and then finally last but not least is the GVFS that's the Glib virtual file system and this is a virtual a user space virtual file system designed to work with the IO abstraction of libgio I don't really know where this appears on Slackware, but on the GNOME desktop, if you ever have a chance to use it, uh, you can open up the Files application and then go to the sort of uh, what is it? The uh, Other Places option over on the left panel. You click on that, and then at the bottom of your file manager window, there's a little form that you could fill out, and or or as a drop-down menu. It's a drop-down menu, I think. And you can choose what protocol you want to use to get to some other file system. So this is where you would go to access an NFS share or a Samba share or another computer on your network. So if you have SSH ability onto, you know, if you're on your laptop and you, you want to SSH to your server, you go to other places or other locations, whatever they call it, and then you you, you would select maybe SF it's i don't know why it's sftp and not just like ssh but i guess i guess maybe because on kde you just use fish which is like file system over ssh or something like that um but i guess or at least you did do you just use i i think either way i think it's technically using fish in the on on the back end um but on gnome yeah you just use sftp but it's a super like don't be put off by the archaic ftp part there it's, it's it's really nice it's really fluid you you ssh into your you, whatever your, your computer your server whatever and and suddenly like your file manager is and it, so it basically it mounts as if though it's a file system it, it it becomes a mount over on the on the left panel of your file manager you can click on that and you see all your folders there you can open documents transparently. You'll never know that it's on another computer. It works a treat. I, I do it I, all the time. I've got my desktop in my office, but sometimes I go out into the lounge uh, with my laptop, especially in the winter when it's really, really cold. Uh, I go out there by the fireplace and just sit on my laptop. And Well, I don't sit on my laptop. I sit by the fire with my laptop in my lap, and I access my desktop over this, uh, this GNOME file other places virtual file system it becomes a virtual file system in my file manager I can open up PDFs I can open up EPUBs I can open up text documents and Emacs and edit them save them right back to the the system from which they came absolutely transparent it's really really nice I mean no nicer than the same thing on KDE I'm just saying it works it works as as you would hope it to work and that's a virtual file system because it's not really, it's not actually accessing that file system. It's not mounting that file system uh, the way that a root user would would attach the file system and, and all that. This is a fuse-based virtual file system that is hot-pluggable. You mount it as if though it's basically a USB thumb drive, but it's not really. It's, it's doing all that through some some protocol. That's GF, GVFS. And, yeah, it's, it's it's priceless. It's really, really useful. Uh, sometimes you'll need um, to install, you know, protocol-like drivers for file systems. That That is something to be aware of. Haven't had to do it on Slackware, but on other things, sometimes a, a, a driver for a file system won't be compiled into your kernel, won't be loaded, whatever. You might have to install it. So if you ever get a, an error on another distro related to that, it's probably the file system driver. Otherwise, gvfs is, yeah, really, really nice, really useful. Um, and that's all the G's. That's all the G section, uh, in the library, uh, division of the Slackware packages, which is actually really exciting, because there were a lot of them, <laughs> with all the, um, all the GTK stuff out. I just feel like that was quite a lot. So, next episode, we'll do the H's, and I think we'll actually get through all of the H's, and then onto the I's, and, you know, the alphabet stuff. So, uh, that's it, I think, for this episode. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. My name's Clatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments or tips, or just to say hi, my email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not Klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info. In the archive, you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted. Until next time, thanks for listening, and keep the source open. here stand still and be quiet please